You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we've been talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and um, we're getting into it. And so today we're going to cover three of these said fruit. And this really is something, as I was studying this, um, something kept just resonating within me because these three um, things, these three characteristics, these three fruit of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about today really deal with an area of our, of our, of our soul. And so I, I kind of just subtitled this message this, being spiritually led in our emotions. Because a lot of times, like when we talk about love, we, we really have to go um, and reflect first about the love of God and, and, and it, it kind of goes from that place out. And, and when we talk about joy and peace, those things come from God. And of course, they all go through our emotional seat. But today, as we talk about long-suffering and kindness and goodness, these things come out of us. And so the Holy Spirit has to have control. But more importantly, they come out of the seat of our emotions, like how we feel. All right, we'll talk more about that in just a second. And so here is what we see here in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is verse 22, if you have your phones, your Bibles, whatever method, I don't think it's going to be up here, so just listen if you don't. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, long-suffering is another way to say that, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live in step with the, live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you noticed something in there, but Paul makes this point that in order to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that there's a part of us that has to be crucified, and that part is our flesh. That's what I like to call the what Andy wants part of my life. The I, the I want part of my life, what I want, what I prefer, what I desire, that is not lined up with what God says. That part of our life has to be crucified. So going along with this series of talks that we've been having, um, I've, I've spent a little bit of time talking about um, the condition of our soil concerning how the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows out of us. Now, I want to I tell you something. Listen, I... This message is wonderful. Like this, this whole series of messages are, are so important. There's a lot of practical information. There's a lot of spiritual information. We can't do this apart from the Holy Spirit. But it is challenging. It is challenging. You will be challenged when you invite the Holy Spirit to begin to bear His fruit in your life. When you say, God, I want to have your character in me, it will challenge you at some point. But this is something that I don't want to sound as Captain Obvious, but I want to tell you that God is greater than whatever challenge you will face if you submit to him, right? If you choose to say, God, I'm going I'm to die to this and I'm going to live to what you say. All right, so let's talk a little bit about conditioning the, the, our soil uh, of our heart, okay? So I want to do something. I want to go to Galatians 3. I'm going to read a chunk of, of Scripture. We're going to stop at verse 6. 
All right, here we go. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by, hear, or, or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right, stop there. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background and, and, and try to make sense of why this pertains to the, the condition of the soil of your heart. This is really important because here Paul is talking about the main issue that crept into the church of Galatia, all right? And this is why he, he even uses some of the strong language that he uses you. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, you silly people. Oh, you dumb people. Like, what? Why are you believing nonsense? And here's the nonsense that they were believing. They had some people that came into the church who were, they were called Judaizers. And what they were doing is that they were creeping in and saying that they were Christians, but they said this, they began to follow more of the law than they followed of the Spirit. And they presented this one thing to the church in Galatia, and these young believers started to bite onto this. And they, it was this, that in order for them to be truly born again, to be truly saved, they had to be physically circumcised. Now for this to make sense and, and get past kind of some of the mental hiccups we might have here, is that we have to understand that this church was not a Jewish-based church. They didn't have circumcision as a part of their custom. And so these Judaizers came in and they said, look, in order for this to happen, in order for you to be fully saved people, you have to do this. And that's why Paul says this, who has bewitched you? Who has lied to you? Who has deceived you? And then he goes about making a larger point. Because, listen, it would be so much simpler for Paul just to say, it's not about circumcision, y'all. It's not about that. But Paul doesn't say that. Instead, he brings about a truth that we can learn from today in regards to how we allow the Holy Spirit to condition our heart. And he says this, hey, was the work that brought you into salvation, did it start by the law or did it start by the Spirit? And it was immediately obvious as they would read this, as they would talk about this. He said, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing uh, by faith? Did you hear it by faith? Did it come into your heart and did it begin to take root as you heard the message of faith? And then he goes on, he says, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Have you ever heard the, the phrase, you got to dance with the one who brung you? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you, you came into the faith by, you came into the, the, the Christianity by faith. But now you're, you're, you're getting back into the law. But what can the law do for you? It is only being perfected by the Spirit. Why? And he goes on and says this. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you work miracles among you? Do so by the works of the law, by the hearing of the faith. And here is the point. This is what it comes all back down to. 
is that in order for the fruit of the Spirit to be born in our life, we have to be Spirit-attentive people. You will not make love, joy, peace, patience. Let's just talk about today. Long-suffering, kindness, and goodness take root in your life by things that you will be able to do in your own strength and ability. Paul makes this painfully clear in several points in the book of Galatians. So we never lose sight of this big value thing, which is this. We have to be spiritually, spirit-attentive people. And in order to be spirit-attentive people, we've got to hear the message of faith. What does that mean? It means two simple things. Two simple things in regards to the condition of the soil of our life. And really, honestly, this has a bigger implication too. Because if we're talking about the, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to control the emotional seat, our emotions, then we have to really be a people that listen to the message of faith and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul's saying. This is what it breaks down to, is that we've got to be careful hearers. We've got to be careful hearers. You have to pay attention to what you're listening to. And if what you're listening to is not filled with faith, it is not filled with the Word of God, it is not filled with life, stop listening to it. Stop listening to it. It's that simple. Why? Because this whole thing could have been avoided if one Galatian in church, one person in the church in Galatia would have stood up and said, that's not faith. That's not faith. But a lot of times what happens, and this is why we have to be careful hearers, is because the lie slips in very subtly, doesn't it? And we begin to listen to that, and we begin to gravitate to that. We begin to tie it into whatever issue we have. See, because nobody goes and says, yeah, circumcision seems like a good idea. No laughs, really. We're adults here, right? Don't courtesy laugh me ever, okay, <laughs> Joseph. That's not a good idea. So how did they even begin to bite onto that? Because it was per- persuasive, wasn't it? It sounded like a good thing. Don't you want to be closer to God? Don't you want to know him better? Don't you want to be like us who have the blessing of Abraham? And as a matter of fact, Paul uh, actually goes on further in this same chapter, ver- chapter 3, and he addresses this, and he says, listen, if you're, if you're trying to be like Abraham, know that you're like Abraham because of the lineage of Jesus Christ. See, it starts off this, and this is why we have to be careful hearers. We have to pay attention to what we listen to because what we hear will feed us and what we feed on you will become. All right. The second thing is this, and this is so important and I love here what Paul said, is that in order to condition the soil of our heart is that we have to be willing to sacrifice. There's things that we have to be willing to cut out. Paul makes a very powerful short statement in the midst of the passage that we just read. In verse 4, he said this, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Here's what Paul is saying. You made a decision to follow Jesus and it cost you something. 
But that decision you made wasn't the work of your flesh. That was obedience to the Spirit. You said, Jesus, you can crucify my flesh. And if that means that I maybe have to step away from my business and just let's get a little bit more context to the time in which this was written. Let me give you just a little bit of insight here is that a lot of these Galatians were involved in if they were iron workers or woodworkers, what they were doing was carving images and false gods to other idols. They're carving idols to other gods and doing these things or Maybe they were butchers and they were sacrificing meat to other gods and doing this. And so, and so when they heard the message of Jesus, they had to make a decision. They, they had to say, Jesus, if, if I follow you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to let go of this and you'll have to sustain my, my business. And a lot of them had to look at their families and say, you don't understand and this might cost me something and it's okay. And some of them had to say that even in the midst of that, sometimes, listen to me, those decisions are the easiest ones, aren't they? You go, wait a minute, it's never easy to lose something. No, but, what, but what, what happens when you have to fight about in your mind over the things that are being spoken about you after those decisions are made? And see, this is when the fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to make sense, isn't it? Because Paul looks at him and says, listen, have love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, these things in your life. Why? And it cost them something, and they had to be willing to sacrifice something. Living for Jesus will cost something. It will cost something. But the reward is always greater than the cost of what you let go of to follow Jesus. You hear me? And so these two things predicated the conditioning of the soil of the heart here in Galatians 3. Now let's talk about these three things really quick. The first thing first fruit of the Holy Spirit we're going to talk about is long-suffering. Now, this one is just, just suit up, all right? Everybody suit up because this is not a pretty word any way we look at it. Here's what it means. Slowness in avenging wrongs. Mm-mm-mm. Jesus, you made a mistake. This shouldn't be in the Bible. Long-suffering deals with, unfortunately deals with, is measured in our reactions. You're going to notice how good of a long sufferer you are when your reactions are tested. There will be a trigger in your life. Something will hit your trigger that will, will trigger you, that will let you know how good of a long sufferer, how much long suffering is in you. It can come from uh, life. We were, uh, Friday night, we took our youngest daughter, Lily, to the drive-in movie in Houston. Really great steamboat. It's a lot of fun. And we watched two movies. And at the end of the night, it's like 1130. We're dead tired. And God bless my car. My battery died. I said, why, God? It's silly, isn't it? But sometimes we see those little things in our life that trigger us and we, we, we fall apart. I mean, it's, it's so dumb. Like, you know, you know how dumb it is is because the place is totally prepared. Like, they have a jumper thing ready. Like, they come by and they jump your car and it's all good. We were out of there in five minutes. But I had, like, a little mini meltdown based upon how tired I was and how late it was and the fact that my dumb car battery didn't start. And so... 
We see these little things in our life that trigger us. But, but listen, sometimes they're more serious, right? Sometimes they have to do with people, people who do us wrong. Sometimes they have to do with family. Sometimes it, it hits us in the place of, of these areas, and these little struggles will expose our trigger that lets us know how well we are at long-suffering, And so here's a couple of things that we have to pay attention to concerning long-suffering that I want to give you as a place of encouragement, something that will help you in this process, in this understanding. Everybody smile. The first thing is this. If I'm going to let the fruit of long-suffering grow inside of me, I have to be willing to forgive. I have to be willing to forgive. Peter and Jesus have this wonderfully crazy conversation. I'm firmly convinced that Jesus really just liked to mess with the mind of the disciples. In Matthew 18, 21 and 22, it says this, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, I'm pretty sure most of us have heard this story or or heard it paraphrased in some way before, but... I want to give you a little bit of context because Peter was a very ambitious guy and his heart was normally in the right place, even if it was misdirected. And Peter, honestly, in my mind's eye, I can see this conversation and going, Peter here is long-suffering. He thinks he's being long-suffering. And he goes seven times. Like, that's a lot. How many? I can't tell you the last time I've had to struggle with forgiving somebody seven times. Seven times, but Jesus comes back to him and says this because he's giving us a bigger perspective here. He said, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Man, what in the world, Jesus? Big mistake. What is Jesus saying here? Why is he putting this in this context And it's very, very understandable because here is the way that we allow forgiveness to begin to operate in our life. The only way that we begin to allow forgiveness to operate in our life, it's not within the context of what's been done wrong to us or how great of a a sin or great of a, a thing that has happened to us. The only way that forgiveness can work in our life is when we first look this way. And it's difficult It's not easy when we go and we say, God, you don't understand, and we try to rationalize our our anger and our unforgiveness with God, and we say, you don't understand, and he looks down at us and he says, oh, yes, I do. I forgave you. But see, the key is this, is that we don't just walk away with that, do we, and go, okay, it's all good now. No, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to really let that grace become alive inside of us. And we have got to think on it, and we have got to meditate on it, and we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to burn that in us. See, the problem is, is that a lot of times in our human understanding, we take one or two steps off of our sin, and then we forget that we were ever sinners. And we even create wrong theology that says we're not allowed to call ourselves sinners. 
But the reality is this, you and I, we are sinners. And we are all desperately in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. And we all have to daily rely upon that grace. We have to receive forgiveness. See, in our unwillingness to forgive somebody else, what we don't understand is that it impedes us and our ability to receive forgiveness from God. The second thing relating to long-suffering is this. Is that in order for long-suffering to take root in my life, I have to be patient while God's grace is working in me. I need to have the full work of God's grace in my life. In Romans 8, 25 and 26, it says this. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8 is filled with some deep theological truth, but here we see just a little bit of a snapshot inside that chapter, and here's what it's talking about. It's talking about the future glory that is to come. And see, all of us live in this place of contention, right? Where we see God desiring to work inside of us and we hear his plans. And a lot of times, sometimes, the long suffering that we have to put up with, that we we feel like we have to endure, deals with God's plans for our life. And sometimes it feels like the, 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 the area of forgiveness. But here is what we see, is that God doesn't leave us short, but his grace is working in us, but we have to be patient while His grace is working in us. He does not leave us without hope. He does not say it will not happen. He does not say that it's not going to materialize inside of you, but it does happen. And what's the key to seeing this is having a prayer life. Matter of fact, directly, it says this, to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the place where you lack understanding. To pray in the Spirit. And I don't know how many of you utilize a spiritual language, but I want to encourage every one of you that has it to do it. And if you want it, to get it and to use it. Why? Because it is powerful. And in the place of the lack of knowing and saying, God, when is your grace going to show up in the midst of this situation? We can still hear and understand and know what God is saying. We have to hear. Now, the last one is this. In order for long-suffering to be built inside of us, we have to have a proper understanding of the justice of God. Now, let me say this. Long-suffering is not about sticking around in an unhealthy, abusive relationship. It's unfortunate that I even have to say stuff like that, but I know, I know that in our society today, this is what happens. And I want to just speak very directly and very clearly to every person here, is that by no means, when we talk about long-suffering, is God ever asking you to endure something that is contrary to His Word, that is unhealthy to your well-being, to your life, to your future, to your emotional health. He is not asking you to do that. Okay? 
That is not what long-suffering is. But I will also say this. You can remove yourself out of any situation that requires long-suffering and still have to deal with long-suffering. And so here's what we have to understand, is we have to understand appropriately the justice of God. Let's, let's look at a passage in Romans 12. I know we're looking at a lot of scripture today. You just write it down. You can go back and, and study it later if you want. Romans 12, 18 through 21. It says this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Hallelujah! God, get them! <laughs> the Lord's going to do some taekwondo on you. You guys all know you want to sing that song at certain points in your life to somebody. You want to dedicate that song. God's going to whip your butt. Mm-hmm. Y'all laugh a little bit. You really need to laugh. I'm being serious because what you're going to hear next is going to make you not laugh. He goes on and says, nope, to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Amen, burn him to death. <laughs> not, it's not what it means. It's not what it means. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me tell you what heaping burning coals on somebody's head means, because it actually is a metaphor that stems back in the Old Testament, and this is what it means, is to bring somebody to consciousness. You're not doing damage. You're not like, here, have some pizza. Ha-ha. Fire from heaven. All right, enough of that. I'm so sorry. I'm being really silly today. Please forgive me. No, but you really just hear this. Please hear this and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because if you're in this situation, this isn't funny. And you need to anchor yourself to the justice of God. See, because there's two ways the justice of God is unfolded in our behalf. The first one is He supernaturally, like we talked about, brings us into this grace. Helps us to see forgiveness. Helps us to actually gives us grace to look past what a person is doing, maybe into the condition of their heart, the brokenness of their heart, or to see things in a future sense to say, listen, this isn't being motivated by something I did. This is being motivated by something else. Okay. And so Jesus says this, I will take care of it. Your job is to stay in my grace and to actually love. Oh. Now let me give you some perspective with another passage in Revelation 21, 2 through 4. Everybody all right? It says this. Now this is at the very end, okay? This is good news. This is where uh, the, Jesus is giving John a revelation of what it's going to look like when we win, all right? At the very end, what's called the new heaven and the new earth. He said, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Oh. 
He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. Now listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And this is what I want to say to you in great grace and great gentleness, but in, in, the, in, a, in a massive amount of depth of truth, is that if you are having to allow the Holy Spirit to build the work, the fruit of long-suffering in you, one thing you have to attach into is the justice of God. Because what part of the justice of God says is that you are not living for this day. You're living for a greater day. Okay? And that day will come. And your Father and your God is so good that He will make all the things that maybe you're walking through, all the pain that you're feeling, all the wrongs that have been done to you feel like they never happened. And I pray, even though that seems so distant from our immediate, and sometimes we struggle with that, I know I do, I pray that that grace can somehow, by the Holy Spirit, fill your heart and give you some peace, give you some comfort. That's what it's intended to do when we read the book of Revelation. Now, let's go on to the, the next. And we'll get as far down the line as we can. If I have to drop this, I'll drop it. Let's talk about kindness. Kindness is actually really good and really simple. Because if long-suffering was a reaction, then kindness is actually a characteristic based in our actions. In order to find out if we're good long-sufferers, we have to wait for a reaction. But if, we, if the fruit of kindness is being born in our life, then it needs to be proven in our actions. And so that's very simple in some regards about how that happens. If kindness is going to be born in my life, then my life must reflect the overflow of the kindness of God. In Titus 3, 4, and 6, it says this, But when the goodness of, and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, the Scripture here actually says this, that it is through Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus came and, and died, nothing that we did. Of course, we know this, right? And He renewed us. That's regeneration. And He brought us into that, that it wasn't because we were good, it was because He was good. And it was a measure of His loving kindness. And this is part of the discipline of being a Christian. It's, it's interesting to me, and I've heard this said. Somebody told me this. I looked it up, and it, I found it to be true. But I love this story about the Apostle John, who was the only of Jesus' immediate disciples, followers, that died naturally. And in his old age, he was actually toted around and... and and carry because he couldn't walk and he would just have this one message and it would go like this, love one another, love one another. Can you imagine in your mind's eye, elderly John just getting around and standing in front of a congregation and saying, my dear brothers and sisters, to be like God, love one another, love one another well. Let the love of God flow in your heart. And it's an active discipline that we need to put in our life. And the way that we begin to act out of the kindness of God is by first having an overflow of the kindness of God in our heart. And that comes from reminding ourselves every day about that. 
If kindness is going to be born in my heart, then my words have to reflect the kindness of God. That's the second thing that has to happen. I can't say that I'm kind if my words aren't kind. My words have to be kind. Proverbs 16, 24 says this. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. The Holy Spirit has to be in control of my tongue. If the fruit of kindness is going to take root in my life, then there are some things that I have to put down. If I use my, if I'm quick-witted and I use my words to maybe joke and jest, but in reality it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's pointed, it's beginning to stick. Or if my words are heavy and they're laced with some kind of condemnation on them, then I am not bearing the fruit of kindness in my life. My words have to change. And I would go as far as to say this, your tone and your mannerisms do too. If we're going to be people who are going to have the fruit of kindness born in our life, then we need to have words that reflect the kindness of God. And then the other thing with kindness, having kindness born in our heart, is that my actions need to reflect the kindness of God. That the things that I do need to be thoughtful and meaningful and caring and that they must be under the control of the Holy Spirit. That they must be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk very quickly about goodness. If long-suffering deals with our reactions and kindness deals with our actions, then goodness deals with our thought life. And all these sit in the, the seat of what I call our emotions or our soul. And they're all challenged in this area. And here is what goodness means, is that we have uprightness of heart and of life. That we have uprightness of heart and of life. It talks about how we think about the world and how we think about others. And if the, the fruit of goodness is being born in my life, then my thoughts, I'm sorry, what I think about people should reflect the goodness of God. What I think about people should reflect the goodness of God. And just ask yourself this question, how do you feel about people when you see people? It's a simple question. Do you sit back and do you hold back judgment? Are you afraid? Do you distrust people? I'm guilty of this. My wife isn't. My wife's a very trusting person. She sees goodness in people. I will have somebody come up to me or call me and try to sell me something, and I'm like, nah. Nah, I'm the guy who hits the, like, the same number button in their ear. <laughs> okay, some of you are. Okay. I kind of felt bad as I said that. Um, and, and how we think about people, do we, do we trust people? Do we believe the best about people? See, this is important for us because it, it is a direct reflection of how we perceive God's thoughts about us. It's not about being naive or gullible. And some of us say that, well, I'm not, I'm not gullible. I'm not naive. I know what kind of world I live in and, and what kind of things are out there. And sure, there's a lot of people that may be trying to take advantage and, and are deceptive and lying. 
but it should not change our perspective about people. And this is the challenging thing about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, especially when we read goodness, because goodness is not goodness when it's easy to be good. Goodness is goodness all the time. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it, it affects the way we see people. And if we struggle in this area, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to change our perspective, to begin to see the good in people. It doesn't mean that we put ourselves in compromising positions, but it, it's about what we think. And the second thing is this, that my thoughts about life need to reflect the goodness of God. It's not just about what I think about people, but about life in general. In Philippians 4.8, a familiar passage, it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And do you have a, a glass half empty or a glass half full mindset about life? How do you see life? Because if you are waiting for the other shoe to drop in your perception of life, then we have to have a spiritual tune-up from the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, please begin to allow the work of goodness to take root in my life, the fruit of goodness to begin to take root in my life. A lot of times what happens in, in our life is this, is that through just the normal course of our day, through the normal course of our life, we get accustomed to seeing things. We get accustomed to going the same uh, way to work every day and, and seeing the same things. And we just kind of get into a drudgery, don't we? And we begin to take our vision and instead of being lifted up, it begins to go down. And all of a sudden, our perception, the way we think about life switches. It changes. And we need a refresher. We need a dose of the Holy Spirit to begin to lift our eyes up to maybe get a different perspective on where we work and the places we drive every day, to begin to dream with God, to begin to hope again in what God can do, to begin to attach into the truth that God has purposed you in this place to do something for Him. Man, what a joy. What an honor. What a pleasure to be in the work of God to make a difference in the world today. This is what it means to have goodness in your life. Justin, come on up, man. As we wrap this up, I want to put this all together. And I know there's just a lot of practical things in this. But I think that these three things can make a huge difference. And the way that we the amount of joy that we have. But in what it means to be a Christian on the earth today. I really, I want you all to know something that I really begin to ask the Holy Spirit just to, to check my heart in these areas. And can I, can I just tell you what I found about me? This is just me. Is that I'm not a really good long sufferer. I just don't have a high threshold for pain of any kind. Emotional pain, physical pain, just, you know. 
But as my conversation with the Holy Spirit went on, this is what happened is the Holy Spirit said, Andy, you, you have to make a decision. Because I'm, I'm not going to move past an area of your life that you're not giving me permission to move. I'm not going to infuse long-suffering in your life. Sometimes we have that wrong thinking. Don't pray for patience because God's going to do it. <laughs> Stop it. That's dumb. said, so Andy, you have to make a decision. And it's going to sting your flesh a little bit. I thought about kindness. And I realized that some of my words, like... I. I've just gotten, maybe I just got good over the years. I don't know. I'm just giving you a little bit of insight in my life. And I didn't really take into account the stinginess of my words. And I said, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. And goodness, uh, this one was especially challenging. See, because I got locked into a, a deep sin. I changed my confession about a year and a few months ago. And I began to say things that re reflected the glass is half empty. I began to say things about my future that said the glass is half empty. And I realized something as the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. As he said, Andy, you, you're going to have to let me renew your mind. See, because you're never going to receive my goodness if you can't see goodness in your future. Because I control your future. And so I want to tell you that I had to, I had to submit and I had to say, Holy Spirit, begin to, begin to do this in me. Let me help you maybe take a few steps to put this all together. If you notice something as a, the word was being spoken this morning and you say, man, that's wrong thinking. Then go in and replace these areas where maybe you've had some, some wrong reactions, some emotional things. Replace them with the word of God. Take the word of God in, in this situation and I challenge some guys in, my, in the group that we have to say, look, if you've got a problem, find in the Word. I'll, we'll find it together. Find in the Word where, what God says. Because you need to hear the Word of faith. It goes back to conditioning your soil. You've got to have something to stand on. You're not going to change something in your life that is attached to wrong thinking without having something good to think about, something that lines up with the Word. I hope that makes sense. It's very simple, it's very powerful and practical that God gives us in His great mercy, His Word, that we can look at and we can lock onto and we can say, God, this is what I'm going to agree with. I'm not going to agree with these lies anymore. I'm not going to hinge on to this wrong thinking that has invoked this emotional reaction in my life anymore. Instead, I'm going to stand by faith on Your Word and believe that it's going to bear the fruit of what I need in my life. Second thing is this, is take daily steps. If you wait until life is overwhelming you, it's going to be hard to know where to start. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have any of these things going on. You go, Pastor, I am golden. I am patient. I am chill. I'm zen. Whatever you want to call yourself, I'm good. People are going crazy around me, but man, I'm locked into Jesus. I'm doing good. Then good. Practice these things. Put them into your life. If you're struggling in the midst of the storm, take one small daily step. My pastor in... I've said this before. My pastor in Los Angeles, his Irish father, looked at me one day and said, in a, in a just deep, thick Irish accent, I won't try to repeat, he said, by an inch it's a cinch, by a mile it's a trial. And I said, glory be to God. That's wisdom. Sometimes we feel like we're in such a deep hole and we got to jump out. we got to do a 20-foot standing, flat-footed jump out of the hole that we're in. But God says, no, just reach up. I'll lift you. Take one step, take one step. Go into the Word and say, God, I'm dealing with this one thing more than any of these other things. And boy, do I have a list of things that I'm doing, but I'm just going to take the first one on my list and I'm going to put the Word of God up next to it and I'm going to begin to believe what the Word of God says. Spend a little part of your day, every day, allowing the Holy Spirit to check your emotional seat. To say, God, how am I doing in my emotions? Do I need to... Let you surround me in this area and comfort me and begin to, to be peace or whatever I need in my life. Number three, connect with someone who can keep you accountable. Now, let me say this very carefully. You better make sure who, and, and, and be very careful about who you're yoked up with. I, I'm going to say something that's going to get me into trouble, but I'm going to say it anyways. A face, oh no, I'm not going to say it. Oh. Wow, I got it. Sorry, I'm not going to say it. Mm. Okay, just make sure you're good with who you... And here's, here's what I really want to say about that is make sure you have somebody who is strong in faith. Really, find somebody who speaks faith to you. Mm. Let me say something else about that. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen. God is restoring the voice of faith. God is restoring the voice of faith. I'm saying that about this church, and I'm saying that about the church as a whole. That we have gotten off of the mark of faith, and God is bringing us back to faith. And if you desire to be a person of faith, begin to speak the word of faith. All right. Okay, now let me give you one last thing, all right? This is, I think this is really good. Because we say, look, out of these three things, how do, how do I see these things work? And, and, and I, I really kind of struggle with saying, should I unload three? Like, that's a lot, and... Just some of you going like, ah, I only need one, like, and I'm stuck on one. Okay, but let me give you a batting order if I can. Some of you go, look, I'm, I'm struggling with long suffering, but I, I just can't start there. Okay, start with kindness. If you're struggling in the area of goodness or in the area of long suffering, start with kindness. Why? Because it is so easy to be kind. It is so easy to be kind. You can start being kind with a smile. 
You can start being kind. And I'm not, I'm not joking with you. This is going to sound simple and trite. You can start being kind by paying for somebody's meal. If you, need, if you need to see something else grow in you and you need a jump start, if your battery is dead, like mine was Friday, and you need a jump start, start with kindness. And then move to goodness. Because kindness will breed goodness, and goodness will put the grace of God back into your life so you can suffer long. Okay? Some of you go, look, I'm, I'm dealing in the area. I know, I know there are people, I can point you out, that are dealing with long-suffering, and I get it, and it's hard, and it's painful, and it's tough, and I understand. And it's a fight, and some of you feel like it's a fight of your life, and I get it, but I'm telling you, start with kindness. Do not yield on your kindness and begin to be kindless like a reckless person. And say, God, as your kindness is poured out in my life, then I want to see your goodness because I want to begin to see past my long suffering into a place of a future. I want the glass to be half full. And then I can begin to say, God, I'm going to be patient and understand that I have your forgiveness and the grace of God is being worked at in my life. And you are the God who will invoke justice. Amen. Let's pray. Okay. Father, I love you so much. God, sometimes when I know for me, God, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just tuned myself up today. I don't know. I'm okay with that. Lord, that we hear the word. And sometimes the only thing that we can do, the greatest, most powerful thing that we can do is just bend our knee. And just say yes to the word. To say, God, we don't understand it fully. We don't see it materialize in our life the way we want to. We know that there are real things that we're facing that challenge these, these thoughts of what you want to do in us. But God, we choose to bend our knee, to yield our heart to the truth of your word. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that is dealing, Lord, in the area, especially with long-suffering, God. Lord, it's affected the, the kindness that's come out of their life, the reflection of your goodness in their life. God, in any of these areas, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've given us a promise. You spoke it, Lord, even just through Galatians, God. You've given it to us in your word. That you said all we need to do is come to you, that in your great mercy, by the power of your work, the power of your grace, that you begin to work in us these things that we lack, that we don't have to do the work of long-suffering, but God, that the grace that you give us begins to empower us to love even those who are hurting us, to see a better day. God, to trust you, to forgive even when it's difficult, Lord. And God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you do that, God, because I can't, because we can't, but you love us. And so, God, we choose to anchor ourselves to your word by faith, knowing that your word will work in us, that it cannot fail. It is a seed that goes into the soil of our heart and springs forth into life. And so, Holy Spirit, I declare that over every person here. That the word of God, active and alive, will go into their hearts and spring forth in faith, bearing fruit. In the name of Jesus, I pray.
Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Can I just have some ministry folk come on up, please? This is what I love. Kim and I had this conversation this morning. I just love church. I love our church. I love church. Oh, man. I feel like I could preach some more. That's weird. Hmm. I, but I did, I did feel this, and I, I want to be very sensitive. Hey, would you move over there, please? Thanks, man. I'm sorry. I said please. That was kindness in my words. I don't know if y'all caught that. I love Joseph. We are good friends. <laughs> hey, but this is what I really, this is what I felt like the Lord say. Is that the Holy Spirit wants to move up here. Now, now, I get it. Believe me, I get it. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a boundary line. He's not like, no, I can't move past the first row. He can do whatever he wants. But I think there is just talking about faith, an active agreement of faith that's going to happen. And so this is what I want to say, if that there is an area... Some of you have been long-suffering in areas of your health. And you're offended with God because something hasn't happened. And I believe God wants to set you free this morning. Some of you are going, you're walking through stuff, and you just want to, it's okay. I can promise you this, God's word will work, but you might not figure it completely out right at this moment. But the most important thing you can do is come up here and receive prayer. Just join with somebody. God's going to meet you up here. He's going to meet you up here. And that's for anything you need. Maybe it's not something even related to what we talked about today. But you go, I need a touch from God. I'm desperate for God. Pastor, I heard what you said when you talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I'm hungry because if I don't, if I don't taste God, I'm going to die. You feel like that in your soul. You're at that place of brokenness. and that. Th Listen, this is why we're here at Freedom Christian Fellowship. This is what we exist to do. And if that's you this morning, don't leave. Don't, don't walk away. Don't say, well, maybe it will just happen for me. It's not that big of a deal. Don't say those things. Don't let those subtle things suck you out of an encounter with God. Don't let them move you to a place where something doesn't happen. But instead, respond by faith and come forward and say, God, I want everything you have. And maybe you don't need prayer, but you just want to be in the presence of God. Then come up in the presence of God and just spend some time with them. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm just going to bend my knee and say whatever you need. If there's a part of me that needs to die, then I'm going to let it die. Because I want you. And if that's you this morning, and I dismiss you in a second, come on. Just come on. So, Father, I just bless these folks with the great grace of Jesus Christ. Let your goodness and your mercy follow them. In Jesus' name.